Zorakerlin, and welcome to Video Game Bullshit. This is Master Daniel Piscina. Get over here to Video Game Bullshit. This is Jeffrey Wittenhagen. I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got guys. Hey, hey. I'm big into uh, no-death runs, high-score runs, uh, collector of all things, vintage and retro. Um, pretty much anything video game related. I also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. So, so are you going to try to ever try to get into the whole retro market, or is it just... Because I know most of that's like passion projects, like whether it be people making games for the NES or the Genesis, or not so much Super Nintendo because there's only really collector vision doing Super Nintendo. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like there's a market for it, and uh, there is another game that I'm writing music for right now called Time Spinner, and that's pretty nice. cool. It's like a 2D Metroidvania style, but it's more in the realm of like early ps1 or late super nintendo so i get to instead of just writing chiptune stuff i'm actually writing using old 90s roland synthesizers oh beautiful oh, yeah that's, that's my favorite <laughs> shit right there oh yeah yes so like i've i've really gotten hardcore into the castlevania symphony of the night soundtrack and mm, stuff oh like God, that dude. and so i'm kind of combining that with chrono cross a little bit Okay. That's it's gonna be freaking ridiculous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dracula's Curse too, like holy shit! Oh yeah, uh, Castlevania three for the NES, uh, oh, the Famicom sure. one though, because oh, it has okay. like extra channels. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Oh dude, that one's a good one. I remember oh, that one. It's so long. There's so <laughs> many songs. It'll be interesting to see how you go to the orchestral way with the. Uh, with the newer game, though, because, like, Symphony of the Night is, like, a masterpiece of a soundtrack. Yeah. Like, the it's... orchestral part, though, is integral with Symphony. Well, it was it was one of those things where I was talking with one of my buddies who actually programmed uh, Legends of Alia. His name Derek Andrews. Mm. And he, we were talking about the Mega Man 11 trailer okay. and how terrible the music is. Where, like, the music isn't... Ma- like, it's a Mega Man title. You have to have good music. It's a desecration if it's not. It's newer graphics. Yeah. I said it kind of looks like Mighty Number no. 9, which is, like, kind of them trying to yeah. poke at, you know, in a fune. But it's like... But the music's not there. It's there's it's uninspired. And I wonder if they got it's from not the music. what Mega Man is. I don't even know. It huh. just... It sounds like, like little, like, you know, the classic that you see on every indie game where it's like, oh, just throw this on there. Yeah, that's not good. But when you watch a movie, just turn the music all the way down and see how like emotional you get. The music is what drives Oh yeah. actually the emotional part of it. The it, soul. It kind of kind of guides you cuz yeah. I mean, you can you can I mean, I saw this thing it was BBC or something 
where it was John Williams and it, he was just walking down the street and then he walks into a building and he walks up some stairs and stuff and they scored it. I think, I don't know if John Williams scored it, but he, the, the music they, they played was the first one was like light and upbeat. Like he was, you know, going on a you know little trip or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they did it again. And then they used like, like sinister music darker. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was great. It totally changed the mood of it. Yeah. So it's it's kind of funny how music's actually like like a sixty forty percentage because you can change the mood of the what you're seeing. Oh, so yeah. it actually is a little more I wouldn't say important but impactful. Yeah, it it yeah. it's a whole sense, you know. And yeah. if we if we bring it back exactly. to you know Tiny Barbarian DX is like your actual yes. soundtrack though does set the ambiance though because like the the backgrounds and everything is you know it's like almost caveman times barbarian yeah, but yeah. like but like if you made the if the soundtrack's more sinister it gives it an evil feeling like when you're getting toward like an evil mage or something whereas oh, yeah. you're just running through and it's high speed fast paced it makes you want to truck ass through the through the level which is awesome yeah 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 and what's funny too is uh it ended up being almost like a trick too because if you play tiny barbarian you got to be careful when you're playing it otherwise you're just gonna die (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah well actually the the first time i saw it i don't know if you've heard a game called volgar the viking oh yeah i thought it was like a spiritual (laughs) successor to that and that game (laughs) fucking kicks my ass in two seconds like the game just destroys me and i think they're now releasing that on the switch or they already have digitally but like but like this game is way different than volgar it's actual like you can make progress in the game like it's it's right, yeah. playable beatable the the balance is perfect like that's the the key is but volgar was just like that is ridiculous <laughs> funny story is um michael stearns actually made the manual for volgar volgar the viking too nice and uh if Full you circle. <laughs> there there is a certain spot in episode 2 where if you do the right things uh volgar actually pops out oh no shit yeah <laughs> easter that's <egg>. awesome <laughs> well, i just i just remember like it was classic and we might have talked about it during season 1 but i remember playing volgar over at one of our our old um podcast co- uh guest co-host kevin's house yeah. And like, we played it, it was just like, this, he wanted me to play because I'm a retro gamer and <laughs> kicked my ass. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. It was just classic. Whereas when I played this, it was a different like feeling and experience. Oh, yeah, we didn't really want to destroy people as much. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no what, our intent wasn't to piss people off. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny, yeah. It's like people are playing Cuphead these days. You know, they look at it and it's like, oh, it's a fun game. It's got cu- cute animation. Oh, that game's masochistic, <laughs> right? <Cuphead is. laughs> like I can get, I can get through it because I'm pretty good at you know shoot 'em ups and everything. But uh, yeah, it was. It's definitely a test once you get near the end. That's for sure. Oh yeah. The thing that that has too is that you know the whole you just keep playing the same level over and over again you'll eventually beat it once but you'll never really come to master it unless you play it like millions of times yeah uh, yeah i mean it, you'll get a little bit of that once you get to the end of tiny barbarian for sure yeah 
I could already I could already see. It's awesome. <laughs> but there is there is somebody who posted like uh probably after the first week or so of the game being out, they posted a total playthrough of all the episodes without dying. Of course they did. Yeah. People are crazy. I love it. Like that's the thing, there's always somebody out there that's a savant that can just take whatever game and they just yep. kick our ass in it. It's yep. awesome. I love that though. There's always someone better though, like at everything. I'm always impressed by the 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 people like that though. It's so cool to see. There's always that person who's just like a freak, you know. Oh yeah. No, I think it's for the developers too of people that make these games and mm-hmm. there's always going to be people that complain, "Oh, the game's too hard." And you oh, just yeah. show them that video. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, "Oh shit. I'm humbled oh. now." It's like try harder, noob. Well, if we make it too easy, then this guy isn't gonna. This this guy's not gonna find it a challenge, and he won't even play it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. There has to be some challenge, especially at the end. Well, yeah, and, and the thing is, is that it plays like a classic game, so it's not gonna. There's no gimme in it. There's no easy. Yeah. Ad. Like there's there's spots that aren't super challenging, but then there's parts that are throw your controller challenging how it should be though like you but you can yeah. get through it yeah yeah it's just take some practice you know you exactly. gotta develop a good strategy it's like you actually gotta play the game and get a little experience with it yeah, yeah. it's a novel Funny idea that works novel ideas i love it hard work is rewarded what is that yeah i know right <laughs> i want so, it now <laughs> so Jeff, what do you want to plug? Like, where can people find you? Are you selling the the chiptune compilation yet, or is there any oh, plans yeah. for the future? Like, let's hear all the madness. Uh, well, my Twitter account is at Jeff That Noise, so nice. that's the thing. And the soundtrack for Tiny Barbarian is on bandcamp and spotify and apple music and itunes and wherever you can download music on the internet basically amazing so if you search for it you should be able to find it because you said you, you played the violin and my thing is yeah. like the whole fretless aspect do you play any other like the cello the standing bass the guitar any other stringed instruments like that uh well i have a viola and i play that too but that's basically the same thing so it's just a little bit bigger <laughs> now have you ever tried does it translate to a bass or a guitar or a cello uh well it, it the thing about cello or bass if it's like an upright bass is that if you think about it and you're holding a bow against the string and then you take the violin you put it down the bow is like on the wrong side so it like switches sides <laughs> and it's also got a different pattern of fingering so on violin it's like oh one two three four and then you switch strings but on cello uh you do one three four and then if you wanted to do the fourth finger on violin you have to like slide up to it so it's like there's a bunch of stuff i've i've wanted to get a cello and get into it but it's like it's a brand new instrument it's like yeah it's a it's a brain twist to do it and it's the, kind of the same thing with guitar, too. So, so would it be like playing a left-hand guitar or a right-hand guitar kind of thing? Kind of. Like it's like it's a little sorta. bit differently. and It's just like the technique is almost the same, that your body tries to make it the same, and then you just have to like take that apart. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that's interesting, though. Yeah, My yeah. fascination is um, largely 
due to so there's frets with mm-hmm. guitar. Yeah. To me, that makes it super easy because oh, yeah. now I can list list everything out like numerically, mathematically. So without frets, is it just muscle memory or how how what's the trick to like knowing? where to go especially when you get beyond the one two three four when you're going like really deep into the neck how do you know what note you're gonna hit like it's it's muscle memory and it's a lot of practice i mean when you first start playing violin they'll actually put tape on the fingerboard so it'll kind of give you an idea of where you Ah, put your fingers but makes sense yeah um the instead of having frets they're just all the frets are in your head you just have to understand where they are just positioning and on the neck it's it's very specific hand positions yeah <laughs> wow well because there's a certain thing with guitar where you can kind of correct yourself it by sliding it mm-hmm. sliding your hand to that desired note is that kind of like with violin where if you're a little off you can slide it yeah it's like that but you you try not to do that because you want to sure, get it right the first time. You. Yeah, exactly. That's a mistake. No one, <laughs> uh, your normal person won't notice that mistake, but you notice it. Oh yeah. Or if you were in an orchestra, you know they'd all notice it. Yeah. But that's the whole thing where the you have your levels of skill. Have you ever tried picking up a guitar or bass or? I have actually like a few acoustic guitars. I just uh, I've wanted to like spend more time with Rocksmith. Do you know Rocksmith? Oh yeah. No, what is that? So so Rocksmith Kyle is basically like guitar hero, but you play a real guitar and it teaches you all the nuances of guitar, every single technique and everything. And it's on a system, on a video game yeah. system where it teaches you how cool. to play classic songs and technique. Yeah. Cool. They've got little mini games kind mm-hmm. of like little just work on your chops, like, hammer-ons, yeah. pull-offs, everything. Positioning and all that stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, like, listen to Vi, Satriani, even Dimebag, Van ha- Eddie Van Halen. Uh-huh. Um, they all use the hammer-on legato technique where picking comes secondary, and it's yeah. more based on your fret hand. Oh, yeah. And making that sound, and that's how you get that fluid, fast, like, plasma Satriani sound. Oh, yeah. It's like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is, what is that? <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> yeah uh, violin is nice i've actually done I've, I've got a pickup that i can put on it so i can put uh my violin through like guitar amps and stuff and that sounds really cool because it almost sounds like an electric guitar but you can slide <laughs> like the trans-siberian orchestra or something oh yeah yeah dude <laughs> that stuff's insane <laughs> and with the christmas music too uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, I like making it sound all like crazy and metal. It's like jingle bells. <laughs> Everybody loves metal Christmas music, though, right? I mean, <laughs> my mom's jamming out to it. <laughs> Everybody that's worth their shit likes it. <laughs> that's right. So, like, how how often does a string on a violin break compared to like a guitar? Is it oh, like, really rare or common? It's it's really rare i don't usually let my strings break usually i'll play violin enough the strings will just get worn out and i'll notice okay you know? like threadbare no they don't unwind usually sometimes they'll like if they're not made very well the winding at the bottom or the, the top of the string will just come loose and then you're kind of screwed but uh yeah typically the 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 strings just become 
dull and they respond slower. Okay. So when they start doing that, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, you got to replace them. Well, because, like, <laughs> playing violin is – there's a lot of feeling in there, right? Oh, yeah. As you're hitting each string. So, like, you'll notice the feeling is off. It's a, it's a lot more immersive experience is what I've been told by people who play. They're, yeah, and they're different um, – the strings aren't like steel. You can get steel violin strings, but uh, those are typically used more for like fiddling. But uh, okay. yeah, they they create like a bunch of different synthetic cores that go into these strings, and they wind them with different metals, and it makes them sound different and stuff. But uh, yeah, all those different you know materials make the string either less you know durable or more durable or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can even still get gut strings, too, and those don't last, at, like, at all. They'll be gone in, like, three months. <laughs> That's the classic string, though. <laughs> What's the value in that? Is that it's just, like, legit? Yeah, I mean, people, there's people that do, you know, retro classical music, too, you know. Well, it's, it's isn't it kind of like the, it gives you that warm tone? Yeah. When you're using a different type of string? Yeah, I mean, it's it's all crazy. It's a more nuanced thing. Like if you're doing Baroque authentic music, you will have a Baroque violin and you'll have a Baroque bow and they're different and you'll have like the strings that fit those and the gut strings, that's all they had back then. And so if you want to have a, you know, a really cool authentic sounding Baroque orchestra, then you have everybody using that stuff. Oh, wow. Yes, it's great. I always like to get down to like why people care. (laughs) <laughs> there's always a reason, you know, because yeah. well, it's, it's the nuances why certain yeah. people like Tarantino film his movies in a certain type of yeah. film. It's he exactly. wants that experience. If yeah. you want that perfect sound, it's like when somebody's making a horror movie, you can tell if they use practical effects because they want that classic look. So yeah. you want the classic sound with the violin. You got to use it how they use it. I think it. that's the yeah. beauty of being an artist. We we get to see those nuances where other people, they just don't notice it. Well, they'll notice it might sound a little different, but to them, they can't really, like, appreciate it. It's not like a whole other, like, universe, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It absolutely is a different universe when that's your thing, too. Yeah, it's a a huge rabbit hole. Now, how would you say the difficulty of learning violin? Because I I was always intimidated because of the the lack of frets, and Mm. would you say it's, it's not crazy hard or what like what scale would you put learning violin on uh i would say i would say violin is probably one of the harder instruments to learn it seems like it would be to me yeah absolutely it's it's like uh because not just that it's there's no frets it's also that the 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 bowing yeah bowing is a whole other universe Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. you could practice this. Get a stick and get a dowel, you know, that's approximately the same length of the, as a bow. And then, you know, make a circle with your finger that's kind of near your nose and then thread that dowel through that circle with your other hand without touching your fingers. <laughs> oh, jeez. And that's bowing. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Technique. It's like swordsmanship. Yeah, basically. <laughs> That's the craziness. So medieval. It's so medieval, man. Mm-hmm. And you've gotten a mastery of it to the point where, you know, you're getting hired all around the community, like yeah. in gaming and elsewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do recording sessions here in LA, too. So I've played on, like, K-pop stuff and 
movie trailers and video game stuff that's you know like random I, we played on days of our lives once <laughs> <laughs> soap operas yeah. and everything. Yeah. Damn, yeah. that's amazing. Here, I'm gonna start hearing Tiny Barbarian on freaking soap operas. <laughs> I know it's it's like it's so weird that I do all this random stuff, you know. Well, and it's crazy that you're multifaceted to the point where you got the Famitracker aspects too. The whole yeah. musical. I'm, I just get bored and I want to learn things, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you think that also affects like how you play violin or vice versa? How you you know track a song based on your experiences because you know it all feeds together it's your experience i mean uh a lot of the stuff in tiny barbarian has really strong counterpoint in it like the notes how they feed together with each other and interact Mm -hmm. and that's all from playing in symphonies you know see see that's where and it could be why i feel it has a classic feel to it like game wise with the music because I always thought that the best games on NES, like the classic Konamis and Capcoms, had a classical feel to them. It's like they were classically trained musicians programming for the NES. The Japanese composers back in those days, they were music majors. You know, they studied piano and they just, you know, went into the synthesizer route and then they would have... They would write the music, but then they would have a sound engineer that would kind of make it work in the programming sense. So the composer didn't have to be a programmer, you know? Oh, well, yeah. Well, because, like, for example, with the with the NES, we have, um, like, one of the games... For VGBS Season 1, for example, that we released, we had a, a Chiptune Z wrote some of the music, and we incorporated it on the cartridge. Well, Z did his in Famitracker, nice. which could translate... But you have to build it into a compiler on the game, which the programmer of the game, which is Damon Yarrick, actually redid the game and to fit his compiler into the game. Okay. So, like, so basically, Z just pr- produced the music, but then the programmer actually hand coded it into it. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. They were doing that stuff even up through Symphony of the Night, you know. That is insane. And before we get too far off, like, the Japanese... There's two things I was reading into it, like, why that makes sense, why they're mm-hmm. so successful and why they're so good. Number one, the work ethic. Um, they even have school yeah. on Saturday. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing is they steer their people better toward the career that they feel they're best suited for genetically so it's almost like what do you think you're good at when you're very young and then it's like okay you want to be a composer let's put you in this route yeah. and then they train tenfold than anybody else does whereas with us we just kind of like go through the doldrums of like the zombified way that everyone gets the same like <laughs> treatment <laughs> and some of us are lucky enough to find a hobby that we happen to be really good at yeah no yeah. one gets the special treatment and for us that's where boredom Keeping boredom at bay is what I call it. Like, <laughs> I never want to be bored my, because we're, you know, it's a gift just to be alive. Especially the older yeah. you get, the more you realize. The more people around you, you know, die and everything like that. Don't want to get too negative, but that's just every day. Like, <laughs> everyone's dying, man. Like, even in bands, all these bands, and it's like, man, this guy died, this guy died. Like, shit, dude, this, this wrestler died, this wrestler died. So, I mean, Another reason why you should stay off social media, Kyle. There's a lot of that crazy <laughs> shit going yeah, on. Yeah, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
I'm actually on a self-imposed exodus because the new Star Wars is out, and I don't oh, want to spoil yeah. it. Oh, like, I hate spoilers and shit, so anytime something new comes out, I avoid social media because yeah. everybody's going to bitch right now. Oh, yeah, and they've already got all the YouTube videos up and everything. And, you know. Oh, I-, I guarantee you all the same guys that are doing Switch videos, I'm the sure. same types on the Star Wars side are going to do their Star Wars videos. Right, so like, yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I think boredom, it's like an enemy, but it's a friend in the way that it makes us creative. Because yeah, we don't does. ever want to be bored, right? Yeah, totally. So when you're creating music, because I do the whole the book creation aspect, do you find yourself ever when you're getting near the... I always talk, call it the home stretch. Mm-hmm. Like, is it easy for you to get past the home stretch, or do you find, like, oh, now I'm going to work on these other songs, and then you kind of, like, got to push yourself to get through the home stretch? Because, like, when I'm working on, like, a book, for example, I'm near the home stretch of finishing a book, and it's, like, tough to get it past that without somebody, like, pushing my ass to to, to get it done, which is why I like the whole Kickstarter aspect of making me want to get it out. Like, if I was just doing book release on my own, like, I think I would have, like, 27 books nearing completion at the same time. Like, because I would just be kind of jumping all around. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So how does that work with you with music? Uh, well, it depends. Like, I'm really good at scheduling. So typically for me, like, when I did all the Tiny Barbarian stuff, I just wrote the music as it chronologically goes in the game, actually. Ah. So there wasn't any point where I was like, oh, well, I got to do all of the battle themes now because I had just written them as I was going. So, I mean, one, and it sort of gave me an idea, too, as I was going along of uh, the influences that I could draw from the from the previous music. Like, I didn't write the end track before I wrote all the other stuff. So uh, it, was, it was really helpful for that, and it sort of let me really seamlessly build up as you go because the music does change over time like it starts out kind of you know really classic we didn't talk about that actually but it does the the music evolves as you play yeah which is crazy (laughs) uh (laughs) yeah like the first episode i mean each episode kind of has specific draws from different classic games you know Mm -hmm. and it's typically like a mishmash of just random stuff but uh like I threw in stuff in episode two that's a lot more like Secret of Mana or, you know, stuff like that. And I changed like one instrument out of the whole thing. And it makes it like a completely different feeling too. Yeah, totally. And being able to, you know, draw from the stuff that I've already written and then keep adding stuff to it. It was kind of just like, what more can I do? And just try stuff it's craziness too and it seems like you have a tinge of like the ocd aspect of the planning just going step by step by step which is completely how i keep on track with a lot of projects too oh yeah it's just crazy how different completely different mediums kind of still come to the middle and cross pollinate like the same (laughs) aspects the same work ethic gets you through it well writing music (laughs) is still writing you know you're absolutely it's just in a different (laughs) form it's a different language so and then you got to perform it which is the the madness it's like the cosmic language yeah yeah Yeah. for real like musicians just pull the shit out from the ether it's awesome yeah well i mean when you're talking it's basically the same thing pulling shit out of the ether oh yeah 
And well, especially video game bullshit. We pull shit out of our ether all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? A big old dark ether. <laughs> big old dark ether is the bullshit. <laughs> I think too with the home stretch, like a lot of last minute issues creep in that kind of oh, prevent yeah. the project from maybe copyright yeah. or who even knows. Well, <laughs> my my strategy with that is always like. Say you've got a project and that project to get complete is 100%, right? And so you've got – you start at 0% and you're going to 100%. My thing is that the 90% to 100% range, that little 10% at the very end is always going to take as long as the first 90%. That's what we always (laughs) say Every every fucking time. Every fucking time. Last home stretch. (laughs) It's brutal. Yeah, I mean, my my latest book. I've been stuck in the last home stretch for like a long time. Yeah, <laughs> it's been so crazy. I mean, there's there's so much more that I could have done with Tiny Barbarian, but it was just like I'm going to stop at like ninety five percent, maybe. <laughs> Knowing when to stop and release is, and we've talked about it many times, is is really fucking tough. Because Da Vinci said that every artist abandons his work; it's never complete. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Kyle with the editing of the VGBS episodes. He always says, like, he could always edit it more. Sure. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, infinitely. And we actually do edit everything. When I listen to it, it's like, I didn't catch that? Fuck. Like. <laughs> when when I mixed uh, when I, when I mixed and I made the soundtrack for the, you know, the release, the three-hour-long thing with 76 tracks, <clears throat> I think I did that probably three times. Like, I mixed and mastered the whole thing three times. <laughs> wow that yeah sounds like me right there it took yeah. two weeks <laughs> <laughs> right holy shit like that's the classic though and it's stuff that nobody realizes when they're oh yeah playing a game like they play now or they just like play and forget and it's like no this is literally people spending you know weeks of their life just on a little nuance <laughs> yeah stuff that nobody notices or cares about <laughs> yeah that's the beauty of an artist like you're doing it for you essentially because even going back to all the painters like mm-hmm. no one knew who they were they were doing it for themselves in their private homes like just painting for themselves i mean that's what an artist does he yeah uh, he cares about his own work and that's the beauty of it where it's not about the money or they're just exploring their own ether you know <laughs> <laughs> right in my ether. <laughs> Most of them died poor, like even broke, you know. It's just yeah. crazy to think yeah, about. Yeah, there's, there's tons of composers that are the same way. They get famous after they die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is a weird thing too, which we still see today where there's this huge influx when Michael Jackson or Prince dies and mm-hmm. now he's taken in by the communities, you know. It's it's really interesting. Yeah. It's, yeah, there, there was something else interesting about how, like, the whole Morrison, like, if you die in your prime, it's like Alexander the Great, like, Jimi Hendrix or Janis Joplin. There, there was so much more for you. you. You Your career may have, like, gone down the shitter. Yeah. Crashed and burned. Yeah, the fact that we don't know. Your mind goes crazy. That it's like, oh, my God, like, what could have been done? What, what could have happened, yeah. though? What a yeah. loss. So there's this huge... I think that's the same with, like, Darth Vader, like, before the prequels were, like, released. How did Darth Vader get this way? Why is he in this suit? Why does he need a respirator? Yeah. 
It, it, so your mind just goes nuts. And then the problem is oh, they yeah. gave it to you, and it never lives up to where people's <laughs> imagination went. Oh, though. Yeah. Yes. That's the thing. It never yes. lives up to people's imagination. That's and even beautiful. if it did live up to your imagination, if it lived up to your imagination, it didn't live up to the next person's. <laughs> yeah, so the right? other person's going to bitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's this creation of an artist. Like, yeah. The the whole thing about art is that most people don't appreciate the artist. They appreciate the art. And so when there's, you know, the artist is dead, then they can create art out of the artist. And it yeah, doesn't yes. have to be authentic, you know? Oh my God. That's it. That's <laughs> well, and that's, that's why that's the exactly most it. important part is what Kyle's saying, too, is that and, – and we're kind of – migrating we've migrated the podcast to kind of feel like that i've migrated the fucking my books toward it. it's like we're doing it for us and then you know because a lot of people are just gonna throw out their quick comments yeah because but they're but they're not taking the true appreciation so it's like if we do it for ourselves then and we create something that somebody else enjoys whether it be a couple people it's like that's a great feeling yeah so okay so let's look at the dead artist idea now let's go deeper. Kyle's always going towards death. By the way, you can he's tell. going deeper into the ether. <laughs> <laughs> what that means is when he, the artist is alive, they're talking shit because it's almost like they want to change. They want the artist to convey what it's in their mind. But yeah. when the artist is dead, what's done is done. It's finite. So you can't change anything now. So now you just have to look upon the legacy, right? Yeah, they want to be appreciated for who they are, you know. And it's never the same as their art because the person is not the art. <laughs> it's really interesting. The but the while the person's alive, people think I can make this artist do what I want. So, hey, you should use more vibrant colors in this section here. Yeah. yeah. Why do you use so much blue? I'd rather see orange. Yeah, but and it's also this sense of there's there's a reason why a lot of pop music artists create personas. And it's the same thing. They don't want people to equate who they are as a person to their audience. They they mm. want because if an audience member sees them as a person, as somebody just like them, they're going to think, oh, they're just another shitty person like the rest of the audience. <laughs> but if they create a persona and they change their name and they have some allure because they don't tell their backstory, then people are like, oh – we we got to make up some shit to fill in the blanks and then they create some crazy stories about it, you know? And the, and then and then everybody follows around Hulk Hogan in pro wrestling. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, it goes all the way to art like even wrestling and yeah, totally. TV and movie. That's why movie stars half the movie stars have different names too. Yeah. Like, it's it's a it's, character. It's like they're just trying trying to market themselves to in the in the now. Yeah. Whereas, exactly. whereas what Kyle's talking about with the Janis Joplin's and Jimi Hendrix is that their larger life character became after the fact because yeah. now it's cool. Yeah, it's great. It's and, crazy. And nobody to think can about. tell you who Janis Joplin is because she's not there. <laughs> they don't know her as a person, and yeah. Nor do they need to worry about it because she's not going to come out and change their perspective. She's not going to rise from the grave as a disheveled zombie and be like, I'm not that person. <laughs> we talked about it before so where we would like, yeah. where like when Kyle and I would meet somebody that we've seen 
on I don't know like wrestling we saw like Mick Foley for example Mankind, and we've seen in person and it never never lives up to the what what our mind was that'll never happen yeah. when somebody's passed away because their legacy is what we have now we won't be able to ever have anything yeah. skewed by life <laughs> like exactly it's crazy yeah. yeah they never got old they never got like super fat more than a fat phase but they never got super fat <laughs> <laughs> i remember my dad one time it was like i don't remember what year it was but he was at the beach and he said he saw pamela anderson and he, she was like you know maybe in her 20s or so but she looked like a 40 year old woman Ooh, really <laughs> yeah like haggard yeah Already. It just totally ruins the picture. Yeah, you know? because you have the, the, the makeup and then the touch-up afterward. Oh, yeah. So that's like trickery, too, actually. <laughs> so that's the that's the other aspect, is if you put on this persona and you can't maintain that persona, then it's oh, yeah. highly likely that you're going to ruin somebody's thought, and that thought could get viral. Yeah, when you, when you have a persona and that persona changes... People are like, oh, but I like the the old stuff better. Mm-hmm. You know, they get hit really hipster about it. Well, that's that's a Metallica aspect. <laughs> yeah, it's also like a child actor yeah. aspect. Yeah, because when they yeah, get child actor, older, yeah. like no one wants to cast you anymore. You, they just don't find you appealing. <laughs> you anymore. grew out of your typecast. Was <laughs> oh, that Mac- Macaulay Culkin? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the Sixth Sense kid, he got like really big. He's like probably over. He's like yeah. 240, 250 probably now. So. He was this real skinny He's little kid. He's still got a baby face, so though. You're not the same person. <laughs> On the other side of that, they're probably not trying out and trying to get roles either. Well, here's the thing. The um, Haley Joel Sixth Sense guy, he's getting a bunch of roles now. Oh yeah! Like besides for yes. his fat roles, he's getting on he's getting on movie roles now <laughs> on TV. Awesome. I've seen him on TV channel like shows and stuff, <laughs> really? and I'm like, holy shit, it's him! And it's like it's he's getting role. I I think it's because retro's becoming cool so just like yeah, i saw yeah, the yeah. fat hobbits yeah. in um the newer stranger things which mm-hmm. he was also in the goonies when he was a kid but oh, then yeah. he lost some weight for lord of the rings as uh, he was sam wise but now he's in stranger things he's back big old gut fat but his 80s style <laughs> it's an 80s style show so right, it looks right. it looks classic like and some people <laughs> are able to work in the typecast and you know don't have to work at it as you're saying well it's kind of like wrestling it's like i used to be over i used to be over i was that kid <laughs> so now you can cast me in these new films but but it's like kind of like star wars where a lot of those actors will never get beyond star wars because they're so this like typecasting entrapped oh, yeah. in that character luke skywalker being an amazing example because he did do some batman stuff joker but that is you know non-visible that's a that's vocal so actually, you know, his voice was popular because he didn't have to show his face because we all know him as Luke Skywalker. It's so hard. But but he was yeah. but he was in Wing Commander. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Let's bring that let's bring that full circle. <laughs> Somebody might have done some music on on a Wing Commander saga with some of your <laughs> violin mastery. <laughs> What's funny, too, is I actually did music for a fan Wing Commander game. Oh, nice. So I've written legit, like, Wing Commander music. I wrote, wrote like, 30 minutes of it. Oh, wow. (laughs) What a connection. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Yes. But, uh, yeah, but it's like uh, Mr. Anderson being in The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Exactly. You can't quite shake it. You're like, 
is is he just gonna like multiply and start you know <laughs> taking people down or something? He still has the same voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God. He hasn't really done a whole lot since like that era. He did a bunch oh, of yeah. little movies right there, and then like typecast. Like the the weirdest thing for me was I live in L.A. right, and I was walking down the street going to the breakfast place that I go mm-hmm. to, and there was this other little restaurant next to you know the path where I live and just whatever. And Lawrence Fishburne was sitting there, <laughs> just like getting some takeout. So weird. And I like I just was walking, and he like looked at me, made eye contact for like a second. Did you go sup? Sup, dude. <laughs> Sup, Larry. I I just kept walking, and I was like, because he just looked like a normal guy, and he just just like kind of you know didn't want to be fucked. He with. didn't really make any expressions. He just looked normal. He's like, hopefully this guy doesn't stop me right now, like everyone <laughs> else in this fucking right, town. Right. <laughs> but it it was like totally it felt like the Matrix <laughs> because it's like. It's like he's in the Matrix, and he's just a regular person. And now I feel like I'm in the Matrix, and that I'm a regular person in the Matrix. <laughs> right, because there's a filtered reality with film and just art. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> artists in general, really, is a filtered reality. Because it's what, again, it comes back to the music thing we were talking about, where it's 50% there, the other 50% is you filling in the blanks of your own. Well, and and then the crazy <laughs> yeah. aspect yeah, is man. is that who's who's to say comes to play cuz who's to say that Lawrence Fishburne isn't a gamer and has played Tiny Barbarian DX where your music's played. Like yeah, you uh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's where it becomes crazy. Like I actually had a yeah. story that happened this week that Kyle doesn't know about. And Ooh. I was looking through um for some reason I think it was because I was doing uh there was a promo that I did with my last Kickstarter. I'm looking through my backers and I had a backer from LA. And I looked at okay. it and I'm like, what the hell? It says Adam F. Goldberg. And I'm like, that's the same guy that does the Goldbergs TV show. And it's from L.A. I looked at and I could see the address, and I'm looking at the address. I'm like, that's near the move, the TV lot. <laughs> like, I'm like, what the? Fuck? And they're like, he's a he's that's like amazing. he's a gamer, and I'm like, oh shit, like that's ridiculous. Oh, that's so, so it's cool. Like, it's like this guy, you know, sees the books, and of course I watch the Goldbergs because I'm a fucking retro freak. It's all about the '80s, right? Like, yeah, it's. Totally. It's like literally his life growing up on a TV show. It's like our life growing up on a TV show. Every single episode is something that we experienced <laughs> growing up. And <laughs> Yeah. Well, the thing that's crazy oh, is that's one of the guys cool. we had on season one, Joe Granado, who did the new Epit Heroes and Mystic Searches on the NES and a bunch of craziness, he had his game on an episode of the Goldbergs. <laughs> and oh, he cool. like has a part on his documentary <laughs> that he did where he goes to to talk with Adam Goldberg, so it could have been because I'm friends with him that Goldberg saw it somehow. Like, oh, who maybe. knows? Like, if your friend shared like, it, like he might have shared it, and <laughs> yeah. like he likely did share it, and like it came yeah. full circle over to him, which it's like crazy though. Like that's the same thing. You don't know if old Larry Fishburne has played something that you've scored music with or listened to. Right. Because you've been on, you know, done plenty of different TV aspects, too. So who knows, man? Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing. You just see the dude, but it's like he doesn't know what he doesn't know. We always talk about Larry, too. Larry's come up like three times, I think. (laughs) He has come up on the podcast before. (laughs) (laughs) Next, he was like Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors, Part 3. 
Event Horizon. Yeah, we do. We, we um we do another podcast called the Phobos Militia Hobbycast because we're not just into video games. So when we really get okay. off on a non-gaming tangent, we just do a whole different <laughs> different podcast. For nice, it. hell yeah! So we do it for us. Like we're just crazy assholes. So, like that's it's fun. what it oh, always cool. should be like foremost. <laughs> if you're not enjoying it, then why even do it? still do have some like some artist musical questions oh go man hell yeah <laughs> well as far as like <laughs> so like scales like that was when i That's... realized oh, okay if okay. you learn a scale you unlock a whole galaxy right yeah yeah so as far as scales go like with different projects that you were saying so would you have to acclimate yourself to that scale or would you just come up with songs in that scale, like how how do you put it all together, or do you not even just stay strictly to a scale? Yeah, or or nothing. Yeah. So, this is this is the thing. When most people study music, they they start to write music and they think, oh, I have to use this formula from music theory, and you know, use this chord progression, and I have to analyze everything before I write it. And I don't do that at all. <laughs> Uh, half the time when I'm writing music, I'm just hearing the music in my head and then transcribing what I hear in my head. Complete feeling emotion. Yeah, and that's what I want. Like When I look at a video game, I look at the colors, I look at the texture, I look at the pacing, I look at the feel that the players should have and all that stuff. And I put that all into a box and kind of you know, shake it around. And then I just hear music of what i think it should sound like or i you know look through stuff to try to figure out you know what would be kind of good and then it's kind of like the the music is a language but then you're speaking with different accents 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So it's like if you know how to use the accent, the, the way you learn accents is this is like from what I've learned from my voice actor friends. You learn by imitating first. So you imitate for a really long time. And then after a while, you start being able to, you know, improvise with it. Play with the putty. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I do when I write music is it's literally like improvising just in my head. So if I was a really young musician, my question would be, how do you not hit wrong notes? Which is what separates a good musician from a bad musician, because you can be like, oh, geez, he's not hitting his pitches right. or but you know. So there's a saying in jazz, because I, I went to community college before I went to uni- university, and I took music theory from a jazz pianist. And he would talk about the history of jazz for all day, and he had so much knowledge about it. And he would you know, present music theory concepts and be like, here's what they did back in the day, but here's what we do in jazz. And it's way easier. And he would like play it on the piano and it was super cool, but Mm -hmm. he would present concepts and it was just like, um, in jazz, there's a saying that, uh, there, a bad note is a good note. If you play it three times, exactly. (laughs) It becomes a pattern then. Yeah. As long as everyone else is following you. Right. So that's the thing with any music. If you if you tell yourself that you're going to write bad music and that you're saying that this is bad music and that is bad music and you should avoid it, all you're doing is limiting yourself because there there bad music can sound good depending on the context, you know? Mm-hmm. So what is the context? You have to establish the context first. And once you have that, then you can play with it, you know? So I think there's people that hit wrong notes and think, "Oh, that sounds good because I just don't want to record it again. You know, that kind of thing, too. Well, and yeah. wrong can be subjective based on your upbringing and what your actual connotations are and how you've been trained is that that feels wrong to you, but it may not be feel wrong to another person. Well, and then there's the whole idea of where people who record, it's an amazing recording, but there's, like, one bad note, but, like, they're like, no, keep that in because the emotion is more important. Yeah. Well, and then and then wrong actually does also that even the word of it is a negativity bias that people have where it's like, oh, this just sounds wrong. Let's scrap it all instead of just saying, oh, no, maybe that is where the actual, like you're saying, the emotion comes from. But I think yeah. the key with that is a scale, and you can go so far off the scale, but if you... If you already have this like deal that you're working with and then you jump to this other thing, you're going to lose. It's like having a movie and then you just change the whole plot. Well, you're trying to maintain something and that's yeah, your that's standard, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, that's your standard for think, it. Yeah, absolutely. But you don't have to maintain something, you know? Well, that's the thing with like <laughs> like Skinny Puppy with Industrial. They they'll, they'll do one thing for a few seconds and then They'll do something totally different, and then the end of the song is like to- something totally different than those things. Yeah. So they're yeah. that's just the way that they write, but it sounds good. Where there's other yeah. people that make music, and it's just like, oh god, like that's god awful. You can tell that they're trying to do something and failing. I, I really, I really think that too. Like, especially how Jeff's saying it, how he plays is kind of more of a. I don't know, like savant style where you kind of do it to the feel of the music. And then, Kyle, you're talking like, and it's kind of how 
we used to play a little bit more stricter to a specific restrictions, which also can produce good music. And I see both aspects. And the thing is, if you get in one mindset, I think it's kind of hard to get out of it. And I don't know if you've ever before been, been in that kind of a mindset, Jeff, where you've been like, well, I, I can only play this certain notes, otherwise it sounds off. Well, it if you're playing somebody else's music, like if you're playing classical music, like in a performance, uh, it's I equate it more like you're reciting poetry. So uh, a poetry recital, which is you never experience because nobody does that but yeah, i'm sure next, some people do era. that but yeah but or like if you go to a play or something then everybody has lines that they try to memorize sure. and do all That's that a stuff good analogy yeah. but it's also that like you've got the emotion of the story and if you know that you can still you don't have to say every single word you know True. the words are not as important to the story as the story itself and so if you say something that fits and doesn't detract good. from the overall meaning yeah and so like essentially what you're trying to do when you write music or do anything like this is be effective you know and that comes down to improvisation which to me Im- improvisation means you know the subject matter in and out mm-hmm. yeah so that's the difference where in the old day jeff and i would play on the fly we're not mm-hmm. playing a concrete thing. So when you're playing concrete, then you can move within that because you know it's coming. But yeah. if you're just jamming, you almost have to pick a scale because if you don't, then you'll just be like wonky and it just won't sound right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's classical music that totally messes with that too. Like there's a thing called polytonality. And there's a ballet that was written by a guy named uh, Stravinsky called The Rite of Spring. And his his music, none of his music sounded like that. But the thing about it was is that nobody had heard anything like that before. And like when the per- first performance happened, people rioted actually in the theater. They almost started a fire and burned it down. And the composer had to be escorted out by police. Because <laughs> they, didn't, uh, they didn't get it. No, I didn't get it. I didn't understand. It's kind of how I imagine your first recording session with uh, Tiny Tiny Barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> Escort him out. <laughs> the key is here, there's a mindset there. Absolutely. It's not just random. He has this planned. Yeah, and it's like he's creating a new universe. But it's just people people don't get it at first because they're just thrown into it and it's they feel like they're just on fire. <laughs> well, yeah. I even I yeah. even think like even when you're recording like music for a game or all that, like your experiences, how you've played, you already in your head do have those what sounds good, what doesn't, and yeah. I just think that you're on a different level. Well, and uh, yeah, I mean, my understanding of music is at such a base level that like music theory to me is almost like a set of rules that you don't you don't have to follow them you're going off of feeling yeah and there's so many things about music theory that are just ideas that kind of make sense if you're writing music that sounds like bach but yeah like who does that i mean you can do that for some stuff sure but if you want to write horror music (laughs) some like japanese kid savant (laughs) yeah and also there's like this group there's a like group bias versus your own self project where no one can tell you I don't like that riff 
you know, and who who knows why they're telling you that if they're in your band because maybe they want their riff, maybe it's yeah. a power struggle, maybe it's an ego struggle. Who even knows? Maybe they do secretly like the riff, but they're just telling you they don't. So then you have that delusion. But that and probably drugs breaks up most bands. Yeah. Because one person wants to take it one way, one person wants to take it another way. So you have that whole problem. Whereas if it's just you, not only is no one telling you this or that, not only do you have your own vision, but you get into this concentration mode that's like tunnel vision because it's just you and your solitary confinement. And I think that point, a lot of people hit huge strides yeah. with any project, be it artist, you know, H.R. Giger, he, he inherited millions from his uncle and he was just able to sit in his house, <laughs> keep his own schedule and just learn how to airbrush. Yeah. And that's how that happened. And it, this comes back to going full circle to like how video game systems are connected on the internet and how that distracts you. And it's the same with having a phone. It's like you can't get into flow when you're playing a game or making something if you have constant distraction. <laughs> we've we've actually yeah. talked about this, not on the cast, but off the cast, because we had uh, a previous uh, guest co-host, not one that we've already mentioned, that was literally would wait for our bullshit homework, which is like we would play a game that's been in our backlog and then bullshit about it. And like, mm-hmm. like they went and they waited until... The, we were recording to play while we were recording. And then we'd oh, wow. bring up shit and we already <laughs> talked about it as we were It was like, Kyle's like, the editing on this is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> That's when we realized, like, it's just going to be Kyle and I, and then we have people yeah. come on for interviews and it's flows so much better and more unique. And then we'll still have those guests come on in the future as just like an interview piece but it's like just having somebody on every week it's like no we're good (laughs) you know our base our fan base is smart i will never downplay their intelligence because it's gamers and Mm -hmm. that type of people you know exactly the introverts of the world not always but for the most part we are smart so if you have something twice in the same cast the person's gonna be like why did you say that again like i don't want to come across as that so that has to go. Yeah. No, it takes you out of the experience, my base. out of the flow of listening yeah. to your podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait a minute, what's what's wrong with this person? So now you start thinking, wait a minute, someone's not paying attention. Yep. They're not pulling so enough it, out of the it ether. Loses. <laughs> it, <you'd laughs> open that, e- open that ether up. <laughs> open it up wide. It loses the gravity of the situational ether, man. <laughs> the giant black ether. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Amazing. It always comes full circle back to the giant ether. <laughs> full uh, circle, that bitch up sideways. No. Exactly. <laughs> and that's another episode <laughs> down the hatch, down the bullshit hatch, the ether hatch. Yeah. So we're changing our name or video game ether not- <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I love it though. No, it's 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 the crazy aspect though when it comes to any type of art. It's just seeing how your mind works and how you create because we all create our own in our own way. And I mean, yeah, we've mentioned totally. it. We'll mention it a million times on the cast. Is that we're 
literally doing things and creating stuff that people are enjoying, which means somehow in the future when we're all crotchety as shit and old sitting somewhere on a fucking porch, we're going to be like, people will look on it in a weird way that we can't imagine right now. And whether it's good or not, I don't fucking know. But like the stuff, it the thing is, is that people enjoyed it in some way or shape or form. That's the cool thing. Yeah. It's weird because totally. there's stuff that we're doing. Like, for example, we mentioned the YouTubers that wasn't a thing when we were growing up. So it's a different type of medium that people will appreciate differently later on. Exactly. Like, yeah, and who absolutely. knows? Because like there's shit like we've ran like I've been writing for 20 years and writing for different websites that Kyle and I run have ran websites. And that shit's like gone except for certain pages on archive.org and things like that like the the wayback machine or the space jam website and so like <laughs> are people gonna remember that shit though that's the thing like like we had the video game masters club and serious slasher incorporated and like we were pretty big in the horror community writing reviews and it's like that shit's gone like you can't even search it yeah <laughs> like it's interesting it's crazy how stuff some stuff sticks for a while and some stuff just goes it's kind of how I got into the the book aspect was is that we had the video game masters club and we had some really cool articles and it's like well a lot of the stuff I wrote was on hidden gaming gems well let me now that that site's gone and dead it's like well I want to at least preserve some of that content yeah into a book and then and then I got to the crazy ass collector guides and that shit's fucking nuts <laughs> shit's fucking crazy but that's neither here nor there it's like it's the preservation aspect it's like well is anybody gonna be able to appreciate stuff if it's gone no I don't know <laughs> well I mean like what what is out there art wise that we've never experienced before and exactly and i was actually talking about it with with games too is that like what about all the digital media cuz like tiny barbarians now on a cartridge so it's preserved yeah. but like ios games that we used to enjoy that no longer have a license you can't fucking download them yeah. if the s- nintendo or playstation or xbox store loses uh, a license like uh scott pilgrim versus the world has an awesome beat-em-up you can't download that anymore and this shit's awesome like yeah how will that shit be preserved because and then how many games that weren't popular like scott pilgrim are going to fall through the cracks and not be preserved yeah it's crazy no it's true i mean you talk <laughs> about ios i've actually written music for ios games that were pretty popular and then they're just gone now they're gone <laughs> Yep, totally gone. It's fucking crazy. And it's like, imagine somebody who, like, we're preserving Atari and Nintendo and Super Nintendo and, like, all of those systems. How are people going to preserve the shit now? Yeah. Especially when they're in that mentality where it's play and forget about it in a week. Yeah, there is no, like, the the aspect of having a physical thing is what preserves it. Yeah. Basically. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. You know? And it also allowed us to oh, shit, we fucking threw that shit away like dumbasses. Right. Let's re-archive. And we mm-hmm. were able to because it's physically somewhere. Yeah. Where when it's digitally in the ether and gone, it might not be on somebody's hard drive later. Mm-hmm. That that hard drive might be corrupted and be gone. Right. Like Bitcoin, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Can't fucking put Bitcoin. Bitcoin in a bank. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have a tangible. Yep. So it makes it quite safe from your pitiful little bag. <laughs> 
That's right. I saw an article about a guy who was like, I want to dig up this whole landfill because I have a hard drive somewhere in this landfill that's worth like $30 million or something. Oh, no. That's horrible. (laughs) Throughout his Bitcoin. (laughs) It's crazy. No, it's it's just that's the crazy aspects that I think about is like preservation wise, that's where shit's going to go to die. And it's where people ask, well, how did you get over to this or that? And it's like, well, because I kind of want people to be able to appreciate stuff that we've done, put time into. Yeah. If you put your, you know, your work, your blood, sweat, and tears into something, you don't want it to just evaporate. <laughs> well, I mean, there is something artistic about letting that happen, though, and that's actually a Buddhist concept, too. Ooh, true. I like this. And, I like, like it. I've, I've seen, they've done art, exhibitions where buddhist monks have come in and created like a giant floor full of sand that they've created art out of and they'll finish it it'll take them like you know six months to do the whole thing and then they'll present it for a couple hours and then they'll destroy it (laughs) that's interesting there's there's a morrison quote he's like there's something about destroying something you love and also everything will eventually evaporate so really Mm -hmm. it's all going to follow the same Anyway, the you know the sun's mm-hmm. going to become a massive giant, engulf the fucking solar system. It's going to go back inside the ether. Yes. No matter how much you preserve, it always comes back to the ether. Buried by time and dust. You can only rip so much out of the ether before it has to all go back inside. <laughs> <laughs> so that's saying the ether is artistic. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, no matter how much you preserve, it may all be for nothing. It's true, though. Yep. Very true. But as long as we're channeling the artistic ether, the art- we should be good. <laughs> <laughs> we should be safe from boredom. <laughs> never, never be bored. That's the key. Yep. That's right. So, you got anything coming up? Uh, anything besides... I know you alluded to the, the newer game with the Symphony of Night, but... The time spinner thing, yeah. Yeah, time spinner. Time is that spinner. Gonna, what, is that going to be on the same systems, like Switch and... Uh, I don't know if it's going to be on Switch, because we did a Kickstarter for it before their Switch existed, so... <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it's going to be on PC and PS4 and Xbox oh, and... Shit. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's a cool project and it's not done yet. So, and it's just the same type thing. Like me, I'm the composer. There's one guy who's basically making the whole game and there's another guy doing sound effects and maybe another artist doing little stuff here and there, but that's about it. (laughs) It sounds completely like the homebrew community too. Like it's just, it's indie style. Like that's, yeah. Those are my favorite type because there's so much like care and love put into games. Yeah, DIY, man. Totally. Passion project. Passion, bro. So, I mean, I, I've written about half the tracks for that game. and still got a whole bunch left to do. But uh, other than that, like, I don't really have any games lined up. I've been doing a lot of relaxation music on the side. That's been pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Ambient's always fun. I love ambient. Because you can go anywhere with that. Yeah, and yeah, people yeah. listen to like, that seriously. stuff all the time. So it's actually a decent little side income. So <laughs> Nice. Yeah. It's good for sleep, too. Yeah. Just put some of that on, you're gone. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like what I do with uh, YouTube right now. Put it on and fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of insomniacs that find YouTube very useful. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there, there's tons of really good videos. But, yeah, the stuff that I do is... It's on Spotify, but um, cool. 
Yeah, it's fun. But I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm just playing it as I go along. I'm not really holding on to anything too long if I don't have to. And I've still got the violin thing going well. There's um, another game called Moss, which is a VR, like PSVR thing. And it's nice. a little mouse that can talk using sign language and it's a little story. <laughs> and the composer for that is actually the guy that did the, all the dead space games, but it's like, he's actually writing nice music now <laughs> instead of horror stuff. Oh, not like crazy horror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty cool. You can only do one skill for so long, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, Steven universe is a cartoon that I've been, you know, playing the violin on, but I've met a lot of cool people in that community because uh, Cartoon Network is not too far away from where I live. So uh, ah. there is potential in the future that I could end up scoring cartoons, too. So who knows? Let's have some violin on some Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> that could happen. I mean, I don't know. Well, good luck to that, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Be freaking awesome, though. Yeah, it's, it's but the crazy thing is, too, is that once you start and the ball starts rolling the people that you meet just through every aspect is is crazy like oh yeah it's snowball effect it's insane you just put yourself out there a little bit and that's one thing i could always recommend to, to people listening is you just put put whatever you your passion is out there and you know people will come do it also it's kind of like people are going to come to you with things that are slightly outside your realm and you're going to feel a little uncomfortable with the possibility of doing it, but mm-hmm. just do it. <laughs> That's an opportunity, you know? Absolutely. We generally don't appreciate change, but that's where evolution comes in. Yeah, we're a very adaptable species, and that's super. the reason why we've been able to survive and be, you know, super awesome on planet Earth. So it's how it's how we survive in the ether. <laughs> yeah, the the ether of space, <laughs> the ether of bullshit. <laughs> exactly. That's what the universe is, though, right? <laughs> Not only survive, but just you know, go to any restaurant you want, drive any car you want, <laughs> go to any restaurant you want, and see Larry Fishburne. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Exactly. Sit by a pool, like man, we really surviving. We're really surviving good. L I V I M. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at bgbspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a phone number. It is 262264BGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message. Um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right. See you later. Woo. Later.